The Film Guide with Howard Linsky, part of the St. Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to the first edition of the St. Albans Film Guide of 2023. Hello and a welcome especially to our host this week, Howard Linsky. Uh, sorry, highly acclaimed, world-renowned local author of note, Howard Linsky. Marvellous. I know you're contractually obliged to see all that, so yeah. th- thanks for including it. And happy New Year, mate. Yeah, happy New Year, all that nonsense. All that nonsense, yeah. yeah. It feels a bit old hat on the 4th, oh, doesn't it? Oh, sorry, the 6th. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <There's> not... Let's <coughs> not complicate matters. No, no we, I, what did I watch over Christmas? I saw the 8 out of 10 Cats does cra- Countdown Christmas special, and Lee Mack ruined very early on the illusion of Christmas, saying it's September the 4th. What are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, this we're is a bit li- more live than that. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, well, fun, yeah, yeah, so. but but yeah, this is the fourth of. Uh, we tend to record these on a Wednesday, and they go out yeah. on a Friday. Um, and I don't think anyone needs to be fooled by that anymore. No, no, I think that's it. not like in days. Because they old. might not listen to us on a Friday. They might no. leave it a week or even several years before yeah, they yeah. tune in. This could know? be found by by aliens who Indeed. are devouring <laughs> a a planet that has long since been dead. Exactly. You know, and they I might be think. thinking this is how they're going to piece together what life was like on this on this planet. I think this is human art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are the representation of what was left of humanity. It's culture in it. In it. Yeah. So <laughs> what we do on the film guide so I haven't talked a load of old guff uh, we uh, look at, uh, at Howard's choice of the best films on free to air TV for the week ahead uh, we'll also look at a film that Howard has deemed too good to be forgotten more about that later but we start things off looking at the new releases on the old streaming services and in the cinemas and out on the 6th of January we have The Enforcer is the first one I'm going to mention and it's got Antonio Banderas well, I must admit, I haven't seen him in anything for quite a while. Um, but he, it's a, he's a, in a thing called The Enforcer, which is an American action thriller film, described as such, directed by Richard Hughes, co-starring Kate Bosworth, and I think it's Mojine Aria. And it basically involves a guy who uh, is an enforcer, so there's a clue in the title, but he also um, takes under his kind of care um, a young lass who's a bit of a runaway, who's... Um, down, down on a look and he and he gives her a bit of money puts her in a motel and she gets taken by evil men evil forces and they're, they're going to try and traffic her so he um all i can deduce from the trailer because there isn't much in the way of reviews online at the moment is that um he's going to attempt to rescue her so he's um and you wouldn't want to mess with him i think is the other thing you pick up from the trailer so i suppose it's quite a formulaic thriller really we've seen that kind of thing before where some gruff guy who lives on his own and beats people up for a living, suddenly gets a heart of gold and uh, decides to rescue someone and, uh, you know, find a bit of redemption in the process. But um, if you like that kind of thing, this yeah. is pretty slick. Not to be confused with the 1976 Clint Eastwood action movie, The Enforcer, of course, uh, which was the third outing of Dirty Harry. Yes, indeed. I where he one. teamed up with Cagney or Lacey, didn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah, which one? I can't remember. It was uh, it Time Daily. Was, Daly, was it? Oh, the other one. It was Lacey, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, because Sharon Gless was the other one, wasn't it? That's it, it. So yeah. I'm trying to remember the blonde or the brunette. Time, yes. Yeah. It came back to me all yeah. of a sudden. And also there's a <clears> 1950s <throat> movie called The Enforcer with Humphrey Bogart. It's not that one either, is no, it? No, it isn't. No, um, no, it's not Humphrey. No. But, no. Uh, yeah, you were asking about um, uh, Antonio Banderas, if he's done much of late. He was in Doolittle. Which, ah. which 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 did little at the box by. office. Did little, yeah. Robert Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, take on on yeah. uh, Doctor Doolittle. He was also in the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Right. Uh, he was in Uncharted recently as well, oh, okay. um, which was the film about the video game, and it had in it Mark Wahlberg and the little Spider-Man fella. Oh, okay. Whichever uh, Tom Hollander. Yes, Tom Holland. Yeah, not Tom Hollander. No, not to be confused by Tom Hollander. Okay, Tom Holland. That's the British guy who's uh, been around a while. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, and so yeah, the other. 
British British guy. The other British guy, I should say, shouldn't I? He's been around a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But something I thought was interesting, so I looked up the Mojin Aria. Yeah. And um, Mojin Aria has a very interesting background, and I thought I'd share this with the the listener because I'm intrigued. Someone might be interested. Um, But yeah, because I'd never heard his name before, and I wasn't sure. But uh, but it says here that in 2017 he became the first ever unsigned recipient of the Heath Ledger Scholarship, and as well as being from oh, we'll just ignore that noise. uh, (laughs) What noise? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, As well as being. the first from a multicultural background and the illustrious judging panel who decided that he should be the first recipient consisted of Gary Oldman, Naomi Watts, Ryan Murphy, um, the, uh, Michelle Williams, Baz Luhrmann, Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. That would give you confidence a boost, wouldn't it, really? If yeah. They, if they, so, so they looked at his acting and went, yeah, he's the man. Yeah, they, yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, they offered him a chance <clears throat> and, and that was that. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so he's not a name I, I'm familiar with. Uh, I'm, no. not enti- I'm just trying to look down his list of credits. Nothing that particularly jumps out at me, but but there you go. That's not oh, a, well, he's on his way now. Well, so, quite yeah. possibly. Um, who knows? But anyway, that's The Enforcer. That's one of the new films that are out uh, on the 6th of January. The next one up, um, bigger um, actor, really, than Antonio Banderas, if, if that were even possible. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so I've never heard of him. Tom Hanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> so apparently he's done one or two movies in the past. So <clears throat> Tom Hanks is back. He's doing a thing called A Man Called Otto, which is, um, there's a bit of history behind this one. It was, it's, a, it's been a movie not once but twice. So it's based on a book... Um, and the, the, then it was turned into a movie in Sweden called A Man Called Ove, which I do vaguely remember. Uh, and now it's called A Man Called Otto. And it's about, so basically, it's about a grumpy guy who lives on his own because his wife died. And that just kind of partially turned him into a bit of a bit of a grump, someone who's not very happy hanging around with people anymore. And then inevitably, because it is a movie, he has to interact with people, in, in, um, including new arrivals in his um, street, including young, young, cute kids, you know. And before he knows it, he's re-engaging with the population again and, you know, re- living a life and not just visiting his wife's grave to talk to her. So honestly, the, the only thing I've got a bit of a downer on with this one is you see pretty much the entire movie in the trailer and that seems to be kind of something that happens a lot at the moment yeah where you you see his entire character arc in the trailer it goes from him being this grumpy guy who kind of barks at all of his neighbours and tells them off for doing things to then meeting these new people this family who partly engage with them but also tell him off for being a grump and then they ask him to babysit the kids like you would a grumpy old man in your street you know and then he's charmed by them, and then he starts living life again. And you do like, well, sort of really? feel a little bit like like you've seen this film an awful lot of times before. Yeah, you do. It, it's, <clears throat> it has parallels with Ricky Gervais's series Life, right? Where he gives up on life after the loss of his wife, yes. and then slowly starts to you know other yeah. people kind of touch him in different ways. And yeah, yeah, it, we seem to be going through a bit of a trend of that sort of thing. And Bill Nye playing the guy who found out he was ill terminally ill and suddenly decides to live a little and stop you know that kind of idea that you yeah know, you've really got to live your life while you've still got it um and it's funny how we get a glut of those things don't we we get a theme that's explored by movies and tvs and uh, you know and books for a yeah. while and then when you move on to something else and uh, as but, well as yeah. tom hanks uh, there in the in the sort of leading uh, role there he um it's also directed by mark forster who uh, is a name i thought oh i think i know him i think he did a bond film well did an awful lot more than that uh-huh. because he directed monsters ball finding neverland stranger than fiction the kite runner quantum of solace and world war z amongst others oh, a couple of good ones in amongst that lot even though quantum <laughs> of solace was a little bit uh, i mean it, w- it wasn't the strong 
strongest of the, no. uh, the, the it was still good but the it Craig wasn't the strongest of the five yeah. Daniel Craig one it was a little bit all over the place but yeah some of the others uh, World War Z was good yeah. uh, Monsters Ball got um, Halle Berry and Oscar yes it did and Finding Neverland was good as well a little yeah. sentimental but pretty good I thought yeah, yeah. So, so that's um, that's the. So second. it might be good. I just think you know maybe watch the trailer and whether you'll still want to see the movie. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of think though that I'm not sure I've ever really seen Tom Hanks in a bad. Well, no, mm. I've never seen him do a bad performance. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. much I think he's saying. So, and if he's starring in this, then then yeah, I think he's, he's a proper movie star, isn't yeah. he? Sort of um, whatever he's in, he's going to add quality to. So. Might be worth seeing it for him alone. But, yeah, uh, yeah, quite. I mean, the, yeah. a little the bit one, sentimental. Though, the one movie I think in his career movies. that did not get released straight to the cinema was a thing he did called The Circle, and he only had a smallish part in it, but it was supposedly based. It was based on a book, and the book was about um, sort of social media and about some yeah. social media. Is that the Emma Watson? Yeah, uh, maybe I saw that. It was, it was, yeah, it was okay. It was yeah, great, he had a smallish you know. part in it as a <coughs> yeah, sort he was of like the Mark Zuckerberg Steve Jobs, type. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg type dude. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it was all about going fully online and engaging, you know, so that everything you did, yeah, um, the world saw. Um, although they conveniently blacked it out when you went to the bathroom, so we don't, nobody wants to see that. Yeah, so there you go. But yeah, anyway, it was it was a bit of a weird movie and. Uh, yeah, it yeah. had it had an interesting premise, but it yeah. not, it didn't really deliver on it. And no. and I think it's the only film in Tom Hanks' career that didn't go to a cinema. Ah. Although I think during lockdown there were one or two, but that's yeah, slightly yeah. different. Yeah. Um, well, yes, indeed. But uh, yeah. anyway, a man called Otto is mm. also out in cinemas. Now, the final film we're going to talk about this week—that's uh, one of the new releases—is uh, called Till. Yes, so this this is going to be pretty heavy stuff because it's based on an absolute horrific incident uh, that happened in the civil rights movement in the fifties. So, um, <clears throat> and it's it's about a, a well, basically the the story is about a mother who becomes a civil rights activist, and the reason she does that is because her fourteen year old son was beaten and shot dead because he was black in um, it was in the vicinity of the Tallahatchie River. Um, where he was, his body was discovered. So in Mississippi in the fifties, and he was effectively lynched, murdered by um, white guys who took exception because apparently he whistled at a white woman. So I mean, <laughs> it's just beyond belief that anybody would take such exception to it that they would actually want to beat someone to death and shoot them and throw them in the river to make sure that they were definitely dead. Uh, and this was a case, a real life case in 1955 that absolutely shocked America and the world. And um, I remember reading about it some years ago and thinking that's just absolutely horrific. But they made the movie about what happened to the son and then what happened to the mother who went on to become um, a, an educator and an activist in the civil rights movement. So it's a story worth telling. It's going to be a harrowing story. Yeah, um, I've seen the, the trailer and I've read up on it as well. But as I say, I knew the story. And um, yeah, it was a case that absolutely appalled America, uh, and he, you know, it was a it highlighted what can actually happen to people if they're the wrong colour yeah. at the wrong time in the south, uh, the southern states of America. It sounds very gruesome in in in, in many ways. It's it's a twelve A, so I would imagine then that it isn't. You don't yeah, see I the don't, gruesomeness of it. No, I think it's going to be about so the think, impact of it, isn't it? It is. It's good. It's telling the story about what happened to him, but I think quite key in terms of whether it's gruesome or not, and I don't suppose they'll show this so much in the movie, but she insisted on showing um, her son's body in an open coffin so that people could see what had happened to him. This is in real, in the real-life story, the actual real-life um, uh, occurrence they made sure because she wanted the world to see what they had done to her son. 
So it's very harrowing stuff. But yeah, well worth a watch, but not for the faint-hearted or people who might be very upset by it. So yeah. Okay, that's uh, Till, mm. which is also out on the 6th of January. Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Let's look at new releases on the streaming services and just one on Netflix we're going to talk about, which comes out on the 6th of January, The Pale Blue Eye. Yeah, quite a big movie, as in the sense of the, the cast. Um, Christian Bale stars <coughs> as the lead character in Pale Blue Eye. Um, it's described as a mystery thriller film written and directed by Scott Cooper. It's adapted from a, a novel from 2003 by Louis Bayard. And it's um, the story of a veteran detective, a guy called Augustus Landor, in who in 1830 goes to West Point, the military academy in America, to investigate a series of murders. And the, the twist on this, or the, the slightly different um, element to it, is that they re- he, this guy, Landor, who's played by um, Christian Bill, he enlists the hope of a certain Edgar Allan Poe, who was a young military cadet in 1830. So before going on to become... The, the mystery writer and um, you know thriller writer that everybody's heard of. So um, they then investigate a series of murders between them. They're quite gruesome cases. A cadet has had his heart ripped out. Cheerful stuff. Um, a fragment of note is found in the hands of the murder victim. And there are more victims as the case progresses. And uh, the rest of it, I suppose, would be spoiler alerting anything that uh, you okay. know you... But so- they, Sorry, so it's not? set in the is it, that, that's going to be what the early nineteenth century, eighteen thirty, yeah, as uh, in, in West Point, in in America, okay, so the American Academy, and uh, it's got a good supporting cast: Gillian Anderson's in it, Charlotte Gainsbourg's in it, Toby Jones, Timothy Spall, and Robert Duvall, amongst others. So yeah, heavy duty cast, um, quite a dark and uh, you know, well, heavy looking, um, yeah, sort of uh, you know, quite grim. So not not a cheerful little watch for the whole family. Not a rom-com, <laughs> this of, one. Of the bits that I've seen, it looks very kind of gothic. Yes, very gothic. Yes, that's what I should have been looking for. Yeah, and I think the the idea is that, um, presumably, the implication is that Edgar Allan Poe goes on to write some of his more dark and gothic tales, partly because he's been influenced by this fictional thing that happens to him when he's a young military cadet. But uh, there you go. Although and he I, didn't live much longer than that. He was a very strange. He, fella, is it eighteen thirty? Did you say? Yes, because I just looked him up here. Yeah. He, he died in eighteen forty-nine. Yeah, there you go. Another yeah, another nineteen years. So yeah, not very long. But um, a strange character. Drank a great deal, like a lot of like a lot of writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I hear that's a not thing. included. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Unless Newcastle are playing in the pub and then yeah. they do go and drink. Yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. And it's either drink to drown your sorrows or drink to celebrate. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Fourteen years of drowning my sorrows, but uh, we're, we're all right now. So it's a little bit better okay but yeah so that's one to look out for i thought it looks quite good um reviews have been a bit mixed uh but heavy duty cast got to be worth watching mm. the likes of bill and Gillian anderson and toby jones and robert duvall in anything really so i think i'll give that one a chance he did one didn't he and i'm trying to think of the name of it now but it was was it with 
Hugh Jackman as well. And it was a similar setting, uh, perhaps a little bit later into the 19th century. And they were magicians. Uh, oh, yes. I know the one you mean. Uh, and I've completely forgotten. It's not The Illusionist, is it? Or was it? There was two. There were two, weren't there? magicians, wasn't yeah, there, at uh, the same time? And one was called The Illusionist. Yeah, yeah. And one um, was called The Prestige. Prestige, that's And The right. Prestige, yeah, it just, it's just something that reminded me of it. The Prestige, of course, was by Christopher Nolan as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, Christian Bale and, and a as similar As we said, they came out in the, roughly the same time, didn't they? Yeah, Within yeah. Within a year or so of each other. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but anyway, the, the Prestige is not the film we're talking about. Right. It's just something of, of the imagery of the, the, the artwork of the movie that made me think mm. of it but the pale blue eye is out on netflix on the 6th of january the film guide with howard linsky part of the st Albans podcast with danny smith well we've reached that point in the show where we find another film that howard linsky has deemed too good to be forgotten that's how it's done max artinson if you're listening <laughs> every time he wants that done for his little thing and it never quite sounds like that he'll get there yeah. you just did that what there was no practicing you just hit no, that straight no, it's just it's my, it's my normal yeah. speaking voice yeah <laughs> so anyway uh, each time at this point in the film guide when howard linsky is hosting uh, we uh, we look at a film that howard has deemed too good to be forgotten tell us about this choice okay this one some people may be aware of but i do think it's probably um un- underrepresented these days in terms of looking back on stuff and picking out good good films um quite a british influence it's called never let me go and it's uh, a dystopian film and it's quite it's quite dark but very interesting and it's from kazuo ishiguro's novel so he's an interesting writer who R- remains the day was yeah that he did so i was about to say what's interesting about him is he doesn't stick to the same stuff he writes different stuff so this couldn't be more different to remains of the day <clears throat> the only comparison at all is that it is set in one large house and this time it happens to be a school so it follows three young people who grow up together kathy ruth and tommy portrayed by really good british actors carrie mulligan kira knightley and andrew garfield and they get involved in a kind of well it's described as a love triangle but basically carrie mulligan's character falls for andrew garfield but he eventually ends up with Keira Knightley um, and it's the, the reason it gets dark is because you, you realise as the, as the um, movie progresses that these guys are in a boarding school but it's not like any other school when one of the teachers breaks down and points out to them that none of them are going to live for very long because they are effectively two things one they are organ donors and that is why they are alive at all um, and they will eventually donate organs until they die. And two, they are all clones. And you find that out a little later. So it's it's dark stuff. Now, the film follows their um, awareness of what's going to become of them. But it also takes a bit of a turn when they, they realise there's a rumour that they can live longer if they are in love. That's the idea, that if they can show that they're in a relationship and it matters, that potentially they can um, delay giving away their organs for, I guess, normal people, if that's the right phrase. It's a fascinating movie and very dark um, subject matter. Um, and it also shows how they do they do artwork and things like that at the school. And they think it's all part of a test. And they it follows the characters trying to find out what's going on. And, you know, is it true that they can prolong their lives by, by being in love? Um, and kind of all is revealed. If I tell any more about it, it'll be like those trailers that I criticise where you get to learn 
everything before you've even seen the movie. But it's very well written, very well acted, and uh, well directed by Mark Romanek. Okay. From a screenplay by Alex Garland, who's done all sorts of kind of things with, um, uh, usually with, um, oh, Danny, um, and his name is gone. Massive film Boyle. director. Boyle, thank you <laughs> for bailing me out. I had a moment there, a senior moment, where uh, Danny Boyle's name uh, left my memory completely. But Garland has also gone on to do his own stuff, and he he's uh, he's very interested in dystopian stuff and science fiction, and he did uh, Ex Machina, for example, which is a very good movie. Mm. So check this one out if you don't know it have you seen it I forgot to no I, I don't even I, I'm completely unaware of this movie until today which proves that it is too good to be forgotten yeah, yeah. okay but it is dark be warned I was going to ask you but you've already answered this now I was going to say that just looking at the what I've seen of the movie not knowing anything about it at all mm. The genre description, I was going to ask you if this was a mistake or a spoiler, but you've actually covered it now because I was going to say it says drama, romance, which is what it looked like, yep. thriller, okay, uh-huh. sci-fi. And I thought, yes, sci-fi? <laughs> and then yes. you sort of went into it and then I thought, oh, okay. What's quite good about it is the drip feed element where you see these kids at school and then you start to realise things are a bit off. Hmm. So they're not, it's not a normal school. They're all at a boarding school, but they're not treated normally. And quite early on in the movie, you realise when this teacher breaks down and says, you, you guys need to know the truth of what you are. And she gets immediately fired. But they already, they're already realising that they're not normal. And they start to wonder who they're cloned from, for example. And, you know, are they cloned from drug addicts or prostitutes or ordinary people or what have you, or criminals, you know. And it's, it's fascinating stuff and well acted. So Okay. Check it out. That's Never Let Me Go. That's Howard Linsky's film that he has deemed... Too good to be forgotten. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Max. (laughs) Sorry, Max. (laughs) Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated... So will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. The final part of the film guide, as always, is a look at Howard Linsky's choice of the best films on free-to-air TV for the forthcoming week. We start off with Friday the 6th of January, 9pm on 4-7, I believe. We have Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Yes, I was going to say an indie movie, but not not an independent. This is a big budget one, and I... I would controversially perhaps say that I think this is the best Indiana Jones movie. I think, you know? I don't know if you get many people who would yeah. argue on well, that one. you know, well, there's always someone out there who wants to argue, isn't there? But, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's I think between it's, the first one and this one, isn't yes, it? Yes, I think so. I yeah. think so. And I, I love the interaction between, I mean, most people know the plot, but it, it, the interaction between Indy and his dad. Yeah. And his dad is played by Sean Connery, who was only about six or seven years <laughs> older than him, but obviously looked the part. And yeah. their, their interaction together is brilliant. Um, the co-star um, cast includes Alison Doody as the person that comes between the two of them there's Denim Elliott in there Julian Glover River Phoenix John Rhys-Davies um, and it's all about the Holy Grail Alexi Sales in it 
Oh, I forgot about him. Very small part, small but, part, but yes. Alexi sells in it as well. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But, um, but it's such a... I mean, it, it's oh, got to be... Action, fun. One of the, I would say it's got to be one of the best family-friendly action-adventure movies of all time. Agreed. Yes, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, the dialogue is witty and uh, the set pieces are terrific. And I think I kind of... I, I, I know they're still making them. They made one recently, didn't they? That uh, It comes out this summer. Very soon, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, but I kind of lost interest a while ago. The last couple haven't been all that great. Well, there's only been one since this one. Oh, is it only one? Oh, yeah. it feels like there's been more somehow. But and, and, <laughs> and there was two. My a lot of pe- there was a lot of yeah. sort of talk about whether this the, the last film that they did, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which oh, I think yes. was from about twelve years ago now, oh, wow. um, or or maybe longer. But um, it was people were thinking, oh, you know, Harrison Ford is a bit too old to be putting on the, the the hat and doing all the the stuff. That wasn't the problem in the movie at all. It was, I think there were a few missteps in it, but Harrison Ford's performance and his believability yep. as, an, as an older indie was not the problem. No, I don't, I think you're right. I think he, he always brings a credibility to the role. So, and he's just an older indie and there's no yeah. harm in that particularly. I mean. And have you seen um, the trailer for the new one? Not yet, no. Oh, no. mate. Oh, I should check it out. Then. It, it, yeah. it's, is it too good to be forgotten? There is something <laughs> magical about it. Oh, lovely. And there's something <clears throat> sentimental about it. And there's a bit, John I Reece think da- I know what you mean. John Reese davis is, is in the trailer right uh, playing the same character that he played in the other movies and, oh. and he in India reminiscing and Isn't he's there a young lad in it who's no longer a young lad or is that the, is that not in the trailer because I saw he was reunited with a guy who played a young lad in one of the earlier movies and I wondered if that's what you were alluding to oh uh, I saw that picture as well if, yeah. but I don't because the young lad was the actor was in everyone everywhere all at once he was the oh. main star alongside um, Michelle Yeoh oh, okay. and he played the, the boy in the second Indiana yes. Jones film and there's there were photos but I don't think it's because the boy's in this movie oh I see I wondered if that's what you were alluding to no but it was no but there was this sentimentality about like them reflecting looking back saying yeah. about you know it's been, it's been a ride hasn't it it's been a journey oh, it. and now it's the 60s yeah. and, and, and you know he looks a little bit out of place in the 60s it's yeah. not his time anymore uh, and then there's some footage of him in the 40s and they've done the whole de-aging thing like they did with the Irishman oh. but it really looks good not least because we know what Harrison Ford looked like at that age yeah, yeah. and it looks like that you know, it, so it, it almost <clears throat> looks like it was lost footage from the earlier movies but wasn't oh. um, so and well, also definitely check Harrison Ford doesn't look like he moves like an old man because I think no. the problem with de-aging Robert De Niro was he looked younger but he didn't look like himself younger that's a good point and, yeah, and yeah. then when he, when he got up out of a chair <laughs> It was like an eight-year-old yeah. bloke getting out of the chair. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yeah, so the new Indiana Jones movie, which I think they've now got a title for as well. I, I, it, it, it escapes me. I will look Indiana it up. Indiana Jones and the Saga Holiday. And the uh, Dial of Destiny. The Dial of Destiny. And it's got Mads Mikkelsen in it as well. Oh, good. Um, and, uh, He's always very watchable. Yeah. yeah. And there's just something about it. And uh, it was written by Jez Butterworth, who yeah. wrote um, Jerusalem. Yes, the, the, the yours mentioned because he has a local connection. Yeah, yeah I believe he's from St. Albans. Albans. We went yeah, to St. Albans yeah. Boys School. Mm. And um, yeah, and he also wrote, Did he? I think he wrote No Time to Die. Ah. Um, the Bond. Yes, I think he was a co-writer on yeah. one of them, wasn't he? Yes, you're yeah. right, you're right. And Antonio yeah. Banderas is in it. I've just seen it here as well. Oh, so you, you, go. you were asking yeah, where he yeah. was. He's back. He's back. He's back with a vengeance. Phoebe is. Waller-Bridge is in it. All right. Um, John Rhys-Davis. Toby Jones is in it as well. Um, so th- this new Indiana Jones movie, he's got quite the cast. You know what? And it's... This is worth a watch, isn't it? And it's it? directed by James Mangold. Right. And and it's already being said that he has done for this, or it is hoped that he would have done for this, what he did for Logan. The way ah, that he yes. ended the X-Men characters. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if he brings something of that to this, I think it might be a, 
could be a fitting send-off. But it says yeah. here, 30th of June is when that hits the... Right. I'm sticking that in the diary. But in the meantime, remind yourself of, of why he's a classic character in the first place. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 1989, can you believe it? It's, <sighs> it's, yeah, it's, I'm so old. <laughs> I remember seeing it at the cinema. <laughs> oh, me too. I was a 14-year-old boy. 1989 was the best summer ever. Yeah. You had Lethal Weapon 2. You had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You had License to Kill. You had Batman Four films out within about a month that of each other. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a good summer. It was. Um, uh, for a boy who wasn't quite old enough to see any of them, but he snuck in anyway. That was, <laughs> that was a great summer. But Indiana <coughs> Jones and the Last Crusade, possibly the best because of Connery. Yes. Maybe that's what yes. edges, edges it over. And the, the fact the that one. he and Harrison Ford interact really well together. Yeah. So well done. So well done. Uh, th- so that's uh, Friday the 6th of January, 9pm on 4-7. Let's move to Saturday the 7th of January. And from 2015, we have the programme, uh, which is on 12-10 on BBC One. So technically into the wee yes, small hours of just Sunday. just edging into the, the wee small hours, yeah. So this is a 2015 biographical film about Lance Armstrong the disgraced cyclist uh, directed by Stephen Frears who's uh, nearly always brilliant um, it sounds and no stranger to sort of uh, biographical no, movies no he likes to do a bit of that dipping into the real world uh, Ben Foster plays Armstrong and Chris O'Dowd memorably as the journalist David Walsh so it's based on Walsh's own book and I think he certainly the way it's portrayed in the movie and I suspect it's pretty accurate he was one of the first people to look at what Lance Armstrong was doing and think, how? How is he doing this? This doesn't seem possible, you know, because the the whole drug element that we later found out was was massively responsible for Lance Armstrong's performances. But um, Chris O'Dowd's character, David Walsh, I think got quite... Um, had a difficult time writing articles about um, Armstrong and was constantly being threatened with legal action early on. But he was investigating what went on, and of course it all fell apart eventually and we realised that it was a you know that Armstrong was massively massively disgraced as a as a sportsman and, and as a role model for a lot of people which I, is a terrible shame I do remember some some comedian putting on uh, Twitter at the time that this came out saying that they should give Lance Armstrong all of his accolades back he said he said whenever he was on drugs oh, yeah. he couldn't even find his bike yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes he did very well to get on the bike at all really yeah yeah, yeah. And, and some said they should have noticed sooner that before he'd won seven to Tour de France because the last three he didn't even need a bike yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah but but uh yeah um stephen frears as i said they're no stranger to not only making biographical movies but biographical movies based on a book where the person who wrote the book is a character in the movie mm. because that was pretty much a, a similar premise for philomena, philomena yes <coughs> um, indeed so he's done yeah. it again this time with um chris o'dowd playing um the the author that the book yes the, somebody the, 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 the original book that it's based upon you're right yeah um yeah. so uh, so that's uh, the program from mm. 2015 uh, and that is uh that's a saturday choice 12 10 a.m so so just about into sunday morning but it's a saturday film still no no one would say i'm watching that on sunday everyone would say i stayed up late on saturday to watch that true yes uh, and that's on bbc one a Sunday, the 8th of January proper, though, 10pm on BBC Two, we have Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah, I thought this was good. I mean, it's a, it, relatively recent, 2018, so moderately recent in terms of our film history, some of the stuff we look back on. Um, it's had a bit of controversy attached to it because of historical inaccuracy, but it does pretty much tell the actual story of Mary, Queen of Scots um, with... I mean, it was criticised because they said things like Saoirse Ronan, who played Mary, I thought very well, 
wouldn't re- really have had a Scottish accent because when she was an infant, she went to France and married a king over there who then died and then she went back. So, But I, if you're going to portray Mary, Queen of Scots with a French accent, I think you're going to baffle audiences. So I think it was fair enough that Ronan had a Scottish accent. It also shows the interaction between her and Queen Elizabeth I, played by Margot Robbie. And historically, there is no evidence they actually met but it and they do meet in the movie but that you know surely we can allow that as a leap of historical imagination bearing in mind the rest of the movie does fairly accurately portray the difficulties of their relationship whereas they were uh, well effectively cousins and they were both queens and they were both appointed by god in theory um so that gave elizabeth the first a great deal of difficulty because effectively she eventually signed mary's death warrant but Mary was trying to overthrow her, so it was kind of kill or be killed in that score. So it's good drama. Um, the supporting cast is good as well. David Tennant, memorable as a firebrand preacher. Uh, Guy Pearce is in it as well. Neighbours Guy Pearce. Neighbours Guy Pearce, yes, famously, yeah. yeah, yeah. Never quite reached his peak again, uh, as, he, as he did in, you know, Neighbours. <laughs> I saw him in LA Confidential again the other day. He's very, very good in that as well. It's a movie to watch more than once. But yeah, this, check this one out. It's good if you like a historical uh, adaptation, then you'll enjoy this one. Okay. I had to scroll very far down the list of credits to see both uh, David Tennant and um, uh, whoever you... Oh, get Guy Pearce, of Guy course. Pierce, yes. But then alongside those, uh, you've got Adrian Lester that's very low down in the credits, yep. but quite well an actor. Ian Hart uh, yes. is in there too. Brendan, good. Brendan Coyle, who has been in a lot of um, TV stuff over the years. Uh, so it's, it's quite... A, Martin Comston is in it. Yeah, I was about to say, he's got quite a, a biggish part in it as well, isn't it? I think all the supporting cast around Saoirse Ronan showing her... Um, well, difficulties when she came back going, hey, I, everybody, I'm the queen and I want to do it my way. And all the men went, oh, no. And it, it was it was dramatic what happened to yeah. her in real life. So I won't spoiler alert it, but, uh, okay. you know, it involves murder, kidnap, rape as well, actually, uh, and imprisonment. And then eventual execution, which we all know, because that is the most famous part of her story. But how she ended up there, this is this will tell you. And it's, it's well-directed, well-acted. Okay. And I'm a fan. And uh, so that's Mary, Queen of Scots uh, on Sunday, the 8th of January, 10 p.m. on BBC Two. Let's move to Monday, the 9th of January, uh, 10.50 p.m. on Great Movies. We have um, a film that is uh, called The Drop, which, of course, was a a very well-known novel by one Howard Linsky. A much better known uh, The Drop by me, clearly. But no, this is the one that famously journalists contacted me and said, you didn't tell me your your book has been adapted. And I went, well, that's because it ain't my book, mate. Sorry. well, well, they often change it to the point that you can barely recognise it. That's true. But I'd be quite happy to have this cast, though, because I think I've mentioned before that uh, you know, we talked about it ages ago, this movie, and it's a good one. It was written by Dennis Lehane. Oh, he's a good uh, writer. He's a, he's a good writer, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've actually briefly met him at Harrogate um, Crime Festival years ago. Did you tell him off for nicking your title? Yeah, well, I just swung a punch and he ducked and, you know, but uh, <laughs> there's no copyright on titles, unfortunately, but there we go. I, I think it's safe to say that I don't believe Dennis was even vaguely aware of my book, The Drop. Neither was Michael Connolly, who also wrote The Drop a year after mine. But hey, not that I'm bitter. Wow. But You're quite, ripping but, off all the greats, aren't you? I know, but I, I was there first. And uh, <laughs> I do have one good review where the guy, uh, he bought The Drop by accident, my drop, because he thought it was the Michael Connolly one. And he went, oh, I got this by accident. It's quite, I, I liked it. It was good. Anyway, I digress. This one Is that got, why you do it that way? 
Uh, yeah, get, try and guess what titles people are going to come up with a year later and yeah. get them to get all confused, their readers. But this, this is good. Oh, yes, it's, it's, um, uh, that was a Harry Bosch one. I did uh, Oh, right, yes, yes. Yeah, the was, Michael yeah. Connolly one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. So this one's got Tom Hardy, Numi Rapace, and James Gandolfini in his final film role. So um, Mr. Soprano himself. Uh, oh, and Matthias Schoenartz as well, isn't it? If, if I've pronounced that correctly. Never sure with him. But good cast, and it's about a bar, basically, that is used as a front for laundering money, mafia money, um, and complications ensue. And Tom Hardy works behind the bar. Uh, the organised crime people get involved. It all goes a bit dark. Um, I think if I tell you any more about what the specific of the plot is, it would kind of ruin it. But it, it, but it shows Tom Hardy being a barman in difficult circumstances in a bar run that's owned well theoretically owned by James Gandolfini but he's had to surrender it to the Chechen Mafia from memory oh. and complications ensue but oh, it's, it's a good crime gritty crime thriller okay so and a that, great title obviously yeah 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 <laughs> so so that's the the drop uh, which is on uh, Monday the 9th of January 10.50pm on great movies and the drop by Howard Linsky, available from all good bookshops. And some mediocre ones, yes, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, look, or Amazon. <laughs> if you can't find it, look in the bargain bins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on now to Wednesday, the 11th of January. We have two choices on Wednesday. The first yes. one, 2.30pm so, on Film 4, Ice Cold in Alex. This is to make up for the fact I couldn't find anything good on Tuesday, so I've given you two I was trying Wednesday. to gloss over that. But. Well, I thought we should promote the fact people go, hey, what happened to Tuesday? Because yeah. they know me, you know, I always deliver. But this time I didn't. So two choices on Wednesday because I was unimpressed by Tuesday. Ice Cold in Alex, vintage stuff, 1958, 2.30pm on Channel 4. British war film, bit of a classic. John Mills, I mean, wasn't he in all of them virtually? Um, And in this case, he um, is involved with a crew who are uh, basically uh, ambulance crew in Tobruk in North Africa. And... uh, Captain Anson, the character is suffering from battle fatigue and alcoholism, a heady combination. Uh, the the city is about to be besieged by the German Africa Corps, so Rommel and his lot, and he's ordered to evacuate to Alexandria. But during the evacuation, um, his him and his crew, they become separated from everybody else, and they have to get themselves across the desert in a little ambulance called Katie, which is nicknamed Katie, and uh, complications ensue, as they would in a movie like this. And um, it's it's a good movie. It's an enjoyable look back on a different era, really. Um, stiff upper lip type thing. But um, well acted. Uh, and the, I think I may have mentioned this ages ago when we, we talked about vintage war movies involving the likes of John Mills. This There was a bit in it that became a commercial because he drinks a lager down in one at the end. And it became an actual commercial for that lager back in the late 80s or early 90s. And everybody thought it was um, that they must have added the, the lager's name to the glass he drinks from, but they didn't. It's in the movie. And he chucks it down because <laughs> he's very hot and thirsty. So there you go, a little curio. So you might recognise that scene if you watch the movie. Okay. That's, uh, that's the, the uh, classic war movie, Ice Cold in Alex, from 1958. That's on at 2.30pm, film four, Wednesday the 11th of January. Then 10.40pm on BBC One, we have uh, on Wednesday the 11th of January, The Accountant. Yes, oddly named The Accountant, but it, there is a reason for it. But it doesn't, doesn't make you think that it's going to be a big action thriller movie. Um, along the lines of things like The Enforcer that we talked about earlier. Now... 
Ben Affleck plays the um, the guy who can beat everybody up and kill everybody and is good with weapons, etc. So far, so very ordinary. What I really liked about this is that he is a high-functioning autistic. So you show him as a young man, um, and his non-superpower, the opposite of a superpower, is that he, he really doesn't interact very well with other people. So there is a kind of comic element to that as well. But he's... he's um, so I guess imagine Rain Man as a um, an assassin and an enforcer, but also as a a guy you can look at numbers and just decipher them. So he can spot where criminals have been cooking the books or terrorist organisations are laundering money, that kind of thing. But theoretically, he's on the villainous side. So he's got the um, the uh, forces of law and order are after him. And I thought this was really good because of Affleck's performance. He's a bit mixed in movies, but he definitely can act. And in this one, I thought he was uh, extremely good at showing this guy who's somewhat disengaged from everybody else. <clears throat> and he ends up um, attempting to kind of protect a woman who um, is... Someone is working with him, played by Anna Kendrick. She's working with him to uncook the books in a company and find out who's been stealing from them, which is a subplot. Um, and meanwhile, the forces of law and order are closing in on him because he's also been, you know, laundering money, etc. Um, but the but the joy of this one is just not just the action; it's just watching Ben Affleck play this very strange dude. And uh, there is talk of sequels because it did pretty well. Whether or not they'll get round to it, I don't know. But check it out; it's good fun. Yeah, um, it, it, yes, it's quite quite an interesting movie. Not mm. not not quite what you'd expect. No, it, it looks like it's it's one thing, but it's not quite. Yes, correct. It's got a quirky little element to it which yeah. I, I really liked yeah and um and also uh, an interesting cast uh, surrounding them uh you mentioned anna kendrick there uh, jk simmons and john bernthal uh, jeffrey tamber john lithgow gene smart you know qu- quite a f- quite a few people in there that yeah that viewers would know from other other Correct. places you know, and it's always good to have a good supporting cast in there and uh, yeah. acting like crazy to add a bit of uh, gravitas to it yeah, yeah. But anyway, Not that, that it needs it. <laughs> no, that, but that's the accountant, uh, which is more exciting than it sounds. It does. Yes. Ten forty p.m. on on BBC One, Wednesday the eleventh of January. The final choice of the week is on Thursday the twelfth of January. Uh, technically, in just into Friday morning again at twelve fifty a.m. on Film Four. All the money in the world. Yes, this is a good one. So <clears throat> I think this is a little overlooked when it came out. Directed by Ridley Scott. Um, And I think what happened off screen kind of overshadowed it. But basically, the story, it's based on the book The Outrageous Fortunes and Misfortunes of the Heirs of J. Paul Getty, subtitled Painfully Rich. That's a very long book title, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it depicts the events surrounding the 1973 kidnapping of John Paul Getty III and the refusal of his grandfather, the multi-billionaire oil tycoon J. Paul Getty, to cooperate with the kidnappers and pay the ransom. And so, you know, you, you can imagine the um, the movie focuses on the conflict within family members of this, caused by this hugely wealthy man not wanting to pay a ransom to get his grandson back uh, and the reasons for that. So um, Getty Sr. is memorably played by Christopher Plummer for two reasons it's memorable. One, he's extremely good uh, and, he, and he's get, getting very late in life anyway Christopher Plummer but he came in at the last minute because it was originally going to be Kevin Spacey to play the part and he'd already seen uh, filmed quite a lot of scenes and before the premiere was about to 
happen, the premier, as we would say in this country, um, he got all those sexual misconduct allegations. So they removed him from the movie and they reshot 22 scenes very quickly involving Christopher Plummer, who replaced Spacey and managed to get um, the, the movie out in time. <clears throat> and there was another controversy because it was reported later that Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg is in it, um, and Michelle Williams were paid to do these reshoots. Wahlberg got one and a half million. Michelle Williams got a grand, which is a somewhat massive gap. Yes. And it highlighted the gender pay gap. But, I mean, you, had it been like she got a, I don't know, a million and he got one and a half million, that would be bad enough. But he got one and a half million, she got a grand? Yeah, I know. What the hell's that about? It's like a Christmas card just with a voucher in it, isn't it? Really? Absolutely ridiculous. That's staggering. Um, but, um, yeah, fascinating movie. Yeah. Um, what was um, what I think was uh, interesting is so he basically he had less than two weeks to learn his lines and do it and shoot it. And I think <clears throat> they only had about six weeks before the premiere. They, they, they did this in an incredibly short amount they of did. time. And he got uh, nominated for an Oscar for it. Yeah, and he's terrific. I mean, I've always thought Christopher Plummer is a great actor. And depending on the material he's given, he's, he's always good. But when you give him good material, he's terrific. And he's very, very good in this. And Ridley Scott, I mean, you know, whenever he directs anything, I'm always interested in it. Because yeah. it'll always be worth a watch. And interestingly, the actor who played the grandson in it, John Paul Getty III, uh, is Charlie Plummer, who is... No relation whatsoever to Christopher Plummer. I was going to say, I thought you were about to say it's his grandson. I was going to say, I did not know that. But no, it turned, it's guess, pure coincidence. Yeah, that the, a little red herring called, there. He was just uh, called Plummer. <coughs> yeah. And apparently an awful lot of people thought it was a relation. Wouldn't but, it be? Cause they, they'll all be thinking, Ridley Scott's going, what are we going to do? Kevin Spacey, you know, we can't yeah. use him anymore. And the young lad goes, did you know my granddad's an actor? <laughs> <laughs> you may have heard of him. So apparently Christopher Plummer was considered for the role before oh. Kevin Spacey and was familiar with the story, had read the script, which right. is partly why he said that he felt he could do it with such a short amount of notice. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it is quite incredible to think that they could erase such a large character from the movie and redo it in such yeah. a short amount of time. <clears throat> but I think they knew that if they carried on with it, it would shadow everything. They would never yeah. have been able to release. It would just never no. have worked. Exactly. But uh, but anyway, that's Ridley Scott's movie, All the Money in the World, with a commanding performance by Christopher Plummer. And that's Howard's final choice for the week. That's Thursday, the 12th of January, uh, film four, Into the Wee Small Hours of Friday at 12.50 a.m. Howard Linsky, which of those uh, movies would be your film of the week? I'm going to recommend you check out The Accountant. <laughs> I think you can say The Drop. <laughs> I think I've mentioned the drop enough times for one podcast, which is still available on Amazon, by the way. It is still out there, isn't it? You can still get copies of it. You can still get a copy on Amazon, yeah. 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 And if you want a signed copy, they're normally cheaper. Yeah, if Um, you want a signed copy, harass me in my local pub, you'll find me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Probably if you're gassing playing. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Yeah. (coughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, that's, uh, yeah, so The Accountant is the film of the week. Thanks for that. Uh, The list of films that Howard has recommended can be found uh, on, uh, in the episode uh, notes of the this episode right now uh, also on our website at stalbanspodcast.com next week uh, is the return of chris aikman to the uh, film guide uh, but uh, we will see you real soon take care <laughs>